you want to bring out the best in Michael, tell him he can't do something. Or he can't do it as good as somebody else. And uh, I think that he takes it as a personal challenge to go out and do it just to prove you wrong. This is the Creative Coaching Podcast with Mike Lopez, where we showcase coaches, leaders, influencers, journeys, and experiences so you can be inspired and work to get better every day. Follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47, on IG at Creative Coaching Podcast, listen on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, rate and review. We really appreciate that. So here we go. Today's guest is Dosha Woods. Coach Woods is the head coach of the women's program at the University of Denver. We talked to her today about how to build a staff, how to be in the moment, and how important mental health is. Hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. No, Coach, thank you so much for being here, Coach Woods. I really appreciate your time and you coming on to kind of share your perspective and your experiences and your journeys throughout your coaching career and life really in general. So again, I thank you for coming on and contributing. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm excited. Um, you know, you know, you've had probably other people on here. Um, I'm going to do my best to kind of spare you of my entire personality, but I am definitely <laughs> excited to talk to you. <laughs> no, no, we want, we want the whole thing. We're here for all of it. Yeah, that's what we're here for. We're here for everything, the 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 good, the good and the better. So just bring it, okay? Don't, don't hold back. So, Coach, I'm going to start off like I do every episode in that. How were you introduced to the game of basketball? You know, for me, it really was, uh, I always say this, my best friend growing up, uh, Kizzy, she got a basketball when we were, I think, I don't know, eight or nine. And we would kind of just play. She ended up getting a goal. Um, I really didn't start playing organized basketball until the seventh, seventh and eighth grade. And that's when I really just started to kind of fall in love with the game. And then that was about the same time I had a chance to be the ball girl uh, from Kansas originally. So our local, um, local college there, I was a ball girl. And it's funny now that I coach because they really let me come around the team a lot, whether it was filming practices, being at practices, games, pregame. So, um, wash, shout out to Washburn Lady Blues back in Sega, Kansas, in terms of the college game. But really, um, just inter- getting introduced to the game. Obviously, my best friend, Kizzy, growing up, she was cheered for the Lakers, and I had the other team. So it was wow. pretty much our life. Wow. That sounds like a great experience, though. Already kind of like at that level, getting to see that that speed, that pace of, of the game. I mean, most of us start off with watching it on TV or playing outside with our friends or whoever. And then we, we see the college level and it's like, whoa, these are thoroughbreds. Everybody's running up and down the court so fast. And it's almost yeah. like you, you get introduced to it at that level. Uh, yeah, you're probably going to gravitate towards If you love the game, of course, if you don't, then you go do something else like make candies or soap or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, that's you awesome. Know, just because they were also so competitive. I think that's what I remember most when I was a ball girl for about two years, it's just how competitive they were, whether it was games or practice, everything, literally everything mattered and everything was intense. Yeah. Um, but they were fun to watch. No, for sure. You know, I, I, I think about, you know, my introdu- introduction to the game and 
you know, here again, it was watching Michael Jordan on TV, but there's nothing that replaces seeing him live or, or a pro team live. Like that, that's a whole like, wow. I've, I've been to some games like on the court and watched guys go. And I'm like, this is a whole different world. And so, yeah, that's a great yeah. introduction for you. That's, that's awesome. Like super, super cool stuff. As a ball girl too, you get to interact with everybody. That's that's awesome. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, they, yeah, they were they were they were super super fun, and uh, quite a few of them we're still in contact to to this day. So nice. uh, it's been a funny. It was a fun experience. Fantastic. Now, I want to ask you about your experience as a player because sometimes we'll have experiences that are that people view as like, oh, you had a great experience. You were good, and you got scholarships, and you were the best, and. But then the reality wasn't that experience for us. What was it like from you, I guess, through your lens? How did you view the game as a player? You know, the players are different. You know, at the time that I was playing high school, I actually was a multi-sport athlete. So I never played. It's funny that I've coached as long as I've had. Um, I just finished my 20th season. But I never played summer basketball the way that we watch it now. Any of the exposure camps, that was always my softball time. I played club softball and then volleyball and actually did track for a couple of years. So nice. my basketball time, I always had a passion for basketball. Um, and once I played in high school, our team honestly was just okay. We weren't great. And then I ended up going to a junior college um, in Kansas, Spartan County. And then from there, um, you know, I remember my freshman year, we had, as, as coach said, congratulations, you now have the worst record in school history, like 15 and 16. <laughs> oh, wow. It was literally like what he said, and it, it resonated with all of us in the next year. Uh, we were 29 and 2. So, oh. I, you know, just been able to take a lot of pride, but I, I loved that experience at Barton. I then went to Western Illinois and played there for two years, loved that experience. And, you know, people ask all the time, like, oh, which one did you like better? I really wouldn't pick one over the other. You know, yeah. it's probably being at Barton first. I would have stayed there if it was four years, but um, I loved my, my college career. Uh, definitely wouldn't. I don't have any regrets about it, honestly. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, and I think both places, um, it's what I needed at that point in my life. So yeah. um, high school, like I said, it was really just during the season, um, but I always had a passion for basketball, which is why I played it in college. Um, but high school was fun just because – I had a chance to be a multi-sport athlete and to, to do different things and not be so fixated on just basketball. So really how a lot of players have to be now. Yeah. You know, I've always maintained that if you give me um, an athlete, I'll, I'll teach them how to play the game. That's not a problem. But the, but the, the, the player who's like stuck in one mode, like I only do this and I only do that. And they're going to be the I only do that on the court too for you. So you got to, you know, not that that's the across the board, but I don't know. I mean, down here in Texas, we like everything tougher and rougher. So most of the kids that come yeah. up play football or baseball, but mainly football. And so I've always just seen it from that perspective. And maybe I'm wrong, but I like when a kid comes in and he's or she's played some other sport because then they're versatile and they're just, you know, there's just a different way that they do things but yeah that it's almost the thing of the past though it really is and and, and, and i always encourage parents hey let them play soccer let them play sports they never played before they don't necessarily have to be great at it to to just jump in and play let them experience something different you never know but i want to ask you something coach about you know you talked about 
your your coach telling you, hey, you know, you have the worst record ever in school <laughs> history. And then jumping from that to 29 and two, like if that you, you mentioned about it resonating with you. And after all these years of coaching, was it one of those yeah. things? Was it one of those things where it was like, no, don't forget what just happened right now, because next year it's not going to happen again. Was it one of those things or did y'all just play for each other? How did that happen? Yeah. You know, I think we just had a lot of pride. I, you know, Barton, Barton County, you know, a junior college in Kansas doesn't have football like some of the other junior colleges. So basketball was kind of the the, the pinnacle, the mecca, the, the the better sports, if you will. Um, don't tell that to the track team. And so I think it really just kind of resonated with us to just take a lot of pride in what we were doing. Uh, yeah. You know, when you're told, oh, congratulations, in that way, it's funny because I remind him of that. And he's like, I said, I'm like, yes, you said, it. I'll never forget. It's like, congratulations. And the next year, you know, it obviously had some roster changes, things like that. But it was myself and one of the, uh, one of my other teammates were captains. And it was just something we literally talked about and, and we tried to work towards and really just trying to buy into a lot of pride. And so to have the bounce back to, to go 29 and two, uh, we just had so many different pieces. I remember we could win a lot of different ways. Um, but it was really just the pride that we started to take in and practice and just, you know, let that fuel us, you know, get through the summer. Everybody really went home and put in some extra work and, and it showed uh, with a lot of us once we came back. That's great. And, and it's a story that you can, for, for, from now on until eternity, when you, to the day you walk away from the game, you can tell players is like, Hey, I went through this, you know, if you have a down year or an off year, or however you want to view that and you can give them that. You know, and kind of maybe not necessarily a bl- blueprint, but kind of the process, how you went through it and how your teammates went through it and, and kind of give them that as I don't want to say as encouragement, because there's no way to encourage kids from a losing season. But you can encourage them to say, hey, don't <laughs> let this happen again. You know, it, it, it's got to be y'all playing for each other. It's got to be coming from y'all. I can't do it for you. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 I think it's a way to make it motivating. Yeah. Um, for sure. And it definitely motivated us. Good, good, yeah. That's what they call, uh, what is it, bulletin board material. And yes. you could definitely yes. keep it, you know, you could nowadays, you go to Kinko's or somewhere and have a, you know, banner printed up, you know, worst record ever, <laughs> you know, and put that in, like, <laughs> let's never put up one of those again. And so, yeah. And then that's what congratulations. Get, yeah. Congratulations with the, with like a lower KC and, and, and all that, not even as capital. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of those things. Now I want to ask you because to get into this coaching profession that we're all in, it's not easy to say, Oh yeah, I knew I should have done this after I was done playing. Uh, I, I knew what I was getting into who or what influenced you to go into coaching and kind of gave you, I guess, an idea of maybe what you would be facing or, or kind of experiencing? You know, I would say my younger self in my childhood, I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. That was probably my first goal. Um, and then when I started playing basketball, I was like, I don't know. I couldn't picture my life without it. And so wow. then I was like, I can teach. Mm. And then I realized that I could do both, essentially, right? Coaching is teaching yeah. the courts your classroom. Um, but I was really fortunate to have coaches that really took me under their wing and um, did a lot of things that was not necessarily on the court to make me a better player, but just being there for me as a person. 
um, grew up with a single mom and just honestly needed a lot of my mom never, never had a driver's license. She passed. So a lot of coaches went out of the way to make sure that I was successful. And if you made me kind of go through, I would say my eighth grade basketball coach, coach Jay was probably like the first one. Um, and then coach Murphy was my softball coach. And then coach Soldina was my high school coach, actually both basketball and softball. So I, I would say those are like kind of the main three that to, to just really invest in me, not only as a, as a player, but a person. And I always thought if I could have the type of impact that they've had on me, uh, then I would want to do this for a profession. I'd want to do this for a career. And once I got into college, it was honestly, you know, I was fortunate again to, to, to play for some coaches that just took, you know, took me under their wing and really just continued to invest in me. And once I got an idea of the college game, I was like, whoa, this is, this is very different. College is different from high school in the sense of it really is the last step before adulthood, the last step that, you know, you can kind of, as I tell our players, you can kind of, you know, be, be a kid one day and then be a grown up the next day. Cause you're mm-hmm. double dutch in between the two. And you're not really grown up, but like you think you are. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> when I, when I, you know, got introduced to the college level, um, I would say that, but really those coaches, uh, coach Jay, uh, coach Murphy and coach Salina probably early on. Um, and then my senior year playing at Western Illinois, we had seven freshmen. So I always joke that's actually my first year coaching because I was the only senior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really, I've really been coaching 21 years. Um, but I, w- I would definitely give credit to those early on coaches. Obviously, um, you have the other kind of bigger names that you can watch from afar. Um, you know, Coach Stringer and even prior to that, growing up in Kansas, uh, Coach Washington, who, who does get a lot of credit, but she was actually um, – the first black uh, female coach at University of Kansas, yeah. and, and actually probably been the only one in the Big Twelve yeah. um, for a while. But to be able to grow up in high school and see her on the sidelines, I never, I never hesitated thinking that this wasn't going to be possible for me. So I had a chance to see it up close. Representation, and that means a lot, especially to, yeah, it, you know, to an impressionable young person uh, coming from a single parent household, coming from a place where everybody is doing their best to help you. You still see somebody out there that looks like you walks, like you talks, like you do a degree, like you're just, you feel, you sense them. Like, I don't know what it is about it. I know what it's like to have pride in that because when I saw people that looked like me on TV, I was like, I could do that too. Hey, that's me. I'd root for them. Even though it was like, I'm not racist, but I have, you know, I'm rooting for them because they look like me. You know, it's not like I say, well, I want that. I want those other people to lose. You feel the connection. Yeah, it's it's easy to do that at that age, especially the impressionable years. And so that's great, Coach. I I like what you're saying. And one thing I want to bring up, and, and I like what you talked about, because I think every coach listening should really adhere to this and apply this to their to their lives when it comes to the people they they work with. Is invest in people, continue to invest in people because you never know the next coach woods that's coming out, you know, after you and who you can, you know, have an impression on an impact and show that no, you can do it. You, you, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. Uh, because they just took the time to some, sometimes just to give a darn. I think that, yeah. that's one of the hardest things for some people to do is just care. And so I'm, I'm so, ha- you know, I'm super happy to hear that you experienced that. Cause I know, I know I was talking to somebody today and they were like, 
you know, my coach, he makes me hate the game. And the worst times were when we had to play. I'm like, man, you should be looking forward to the game, not, you know. That's the fun part. Yeah, you would think. But their coach made him hate even game days. And I was like, wow. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Now, your first year as a coach, whether it's your senior year or your actual first year as a coach, Um, is there any like memorable moment where you felt like, you know what, this is it. I'm not a player anymore. I'm a coach. Like this is really real. Is there anything like that that you can recall? Uh, we go early, you know, playing. It's funny because playing at West Illinois, we're actually in the same conference now. When I played, it was a mid-con conference. Now we're in the Summit League. And when you're playing at a low major, you, know, you go play the bigger schools. Obviously, they're money games that they'll yeah. kind of pay you for. And I'm going to give you two memories. Um, the first one, we were we played, I was coaching now, we, we played at Wisconsin and won the game. And I remember coaches being so excited, almost like we took the money and ran. Very just like, <laughs> I'm going to give you this guarantee. You guys come up here, everybody just do their whole like pecking order. You're supposed to lose the game, and we won the game. And we really didn't know how to act. And like, so the coaches, the players, um, but it kind of just kind of set the stage for what we expected what we could expect and so then um the only the other bigger memory just early in my career i'm not talking about anything later yeah. um, but early in my career is then going to university of kansas um we actually won their tournament um we won their tournament we had a player from lawrence kansas um on our roster nice um, but i remember they gave the mvp to one of their own players so they didn't win a tournament um mm. but that was still a fun experience just the, the head coach that i had played for and worked for um, she was from Kansas. I was from Kansas, and then our players. So that one was a pretty fun moment. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. Like there's, um, I guess there's this kind of like, you know, here again, regional things, uh, you know, ties to different locations, and you're not you're not coaching in that location. When you go back, there's always kind of this like, yeah, we got you, you know, and I'm from me. You should have hired me or whatever. I'm not saying that, but I think some people do take that approach, like. Yeah, we got this one. Like, yeah, you want to get the win. You want to win everything. But there's just something about going back to to where you're from and getting things done. Like, that's a good day. Beating Wisconsin, too, coming yeah. from a low major. Yeah. You knock out a power yeah. five school like that. That's a good day. So, yeah, great stuff, Coach. Like, yeah. that, that really is a good memory. So, I, yeah, that is early on. If you – and this just questions you probably want to ask me. But I'm just going to add it. Okay. <laughs> um, my memorable moment from this year is kind of the same experience uh-huh. as the first time I had coach um, when we had a chance to be University of Colorado. Yeah. Um, at home, that was that was a fun experience. Just again, kind of similar setup, right? You as a smaller school, you're not expected to win things like that, and just the the, the joy and excitement of just how our players battle for 40 minutes. Um, that that was another fun game. Yeah, no. So the, you asked for one memory, and I gave you like three. <laughs> and it's all good because you're. Yeah, here again. Don't hold back. Don't. This is not. <laughs> this is not that show. Like nobody's holding anything back. Now's the time to to kind of get into the nitty gritty of how you felt about it. I wouldn't. If I didn't want to know, I wouldn't have asked. And if it's just one thing, <laughs> then it, if it's ten things, let's do it. But yeah, the, I, I hear you completely. Like that's Big Brother. Like, in a sense, people are like, okay, what are the, what's the big state school? And if you can knock them off, that's a fantastic day. 
and be in the game. I mean, y'all got a one point win in that game. That's huge. Like you beating them by 20, that would have been great too. But you pull it out by one point. Can't imagine what that, what that fire feels like. Like that'd be a great, great feeling. So that's great coach. And thank you for all the memories. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) All the memories. (laughs) So great. It's awesome. (laughs) Now, uh, your prior stops, you know, you talk about some of your, your prior coaching uh, experiences. Now as a head coach at the University of Denver, you know, how did those stops and those experiences and, and all that you went through at those places, how did they prepare you to be the CEO, the head coach of your program? You know, I'll spend probably the most time talking about just my previous stop at Tulane just because I was there the longest um, 10 years and working for Coach Stockton there. She really gave me an opportunity to um, wear a lot of different hats, to not get pigeonholed. Uh, Though I was the recruiting coordinator, um, I had the opportunity to not only coach the guards, but design the guard workouts, um, whether that was, you know, a few practices um, over Christmas break or also the workouts. And then in terms of just day-to-day um being the compliance liaison, um, housing, academics. Um, So I really had a chance to just kind of broaden my resume, if you will. And I think when you're working with someone that long, obviously you develop a relationship or rapport. And she always knew I wanted to be a head coach because she would put me in opportunities to to be able to, um, even if it is camp, right, coach this team and just some basic X's and O's that way. Um, to be able to bring different drills and and then teach the different different drills. So I was fortunate there just in terms of like really learning how to manage. I think um, she just finished year 27 at Tulane. And what I love wow. about working for it is, right, it's a long time. And, you know, if you're staying at a place that long, you obviously must be doing a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the balance, the balance that she ran her program with um, is a lot of what I talk about here at DU of finding a place that you can obviously be able to compete athletically. Um, academics is very important. Both schools are private schools and um, academically very well respected. And then as much as you want basketball to be super important, it's not everything. Yeah. You need to have a life outside of basketball. And so the social aspect, we talk a lot about, we talked a lot about when I was at Tulane, we talk a lot about here, just having that balance of, you know, you're in a great city like, like Denver, take advantage of, um, other things across campus, other things here in the city. So um, I think spending a lot of time with her really just kind of seeing how she was able to run her program. Prior to that, uh, you know, being at uh, University of Missouri, Oregon State, being a recruiting coordinator at bigger schools, um, you definitely learn um, different ways to work. At Power 5, you definitely have to work differently. Um, but I think every stop that I've had, um, now it shows up in, in this role of, uh, leadership that I have, um, whether it was honestly, as I talked earlier before for my senior year and how I was able to talk to my teammates then, and then coach them, you know, the next year, um, up and now, up until now, uh, I've always done well, just building relationships that's been challenging in a pandemic. Um, but I think having the ability to, uh, do almost everything, within a program, uh, whether it's scheduling, running camps, um, recruiting coordinator, housing, coaching, literally everything I've had a chance to do prior to getting to this role. And as much as you'd like to prepare, you can't prepare for everything, but I felt very confident 
um, just in terms of day to day, what you would expect from a basketball program. Yeah. I've either experienced it or, or had a chance to kind of sit in meetings uh, firsthand. Fundraising, um, a lot of those things. So I, I was pretty fortunate. Yeah. So you can have empathy or sympathy for those that work for you. There's no, uh, yeah. there's no disconnection. Like you get it. And, and even, and even, Absolutely. yeah, even in the times where it's a grind and they're like, uh, and you're like, look, I understand. However, <laughs> we got to move yeah. on because exactly. It, yeah. Cause it's called paying your dues. And if you didn't, you didn't think you were going to come in here and, and pay a price for what you really want, then you came in with the wrong mindset. So yeah, because everything you just, you went down the list of coach, it's called paying your dues and you did that. And that's great because it, it, you have a solid foundation. In other words, there's no, there's, yeah. I don't want to yeah. say there's nobody. It, it, it helps. Yeah. No. And, and it, and it, it insulates you from criticism to a degree, like in, from your own inside, from the in-house where somebody say, well, yeah, but you never did this. Oh, well, yeah, but you never did that. Like, yeah, I did. So shut up and do what I right. said. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's, <laughs> that's just, it's just, you know, it, it, that's kind of crass, but you know, just really at the end of the day, I can follow somebody who's been where I've been. If, if you haven't, it's yeah. just, it's well, I, I think you, yeah, I think you said it right where it just makes the conversation a little different where it's not, you know, I, I'm not one of those coaches who's only done one thing or kind of had this opportunity kind of follow my lap. I, I literally came up through the ranks, if you will, yeah. um, you know, all levels, all different. So, when I have the conversation with my staff or someone else, I really can speak from my own experience and not just something that I've seen from afar. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a book you read or something to that degree. Like everybody wants to know how did you, how in application did you do this? Not in theory because theories, you know, they, yeah. they come and go and they're basically opinions at times. And so, yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. And, and it gives you, Gives you some, it gives you a, a, this kind of degree of uh, respectability, clout, however you want to look at that. You know, it, it gives you that, and it's something that you earned. So that's great. Now, we're talking about building a staff. Like, I always talk to head coaches about that because I think about it. If I ever wanted to be on staff somewhere at the college level, what would they need from me? So I'm going to ask you, coach, in building a staff, how do you know who was the right fit for what you envision? I don't know if you ever really honestly know, um, especially if it's someone that you hadn't worked with before or something like that. I think what I envisioned when I got this role is just high energy people, yeah, um, people that are passionate. I think if you have those two things, uh, then you also probably possess the ability to want to learn and can, can adjust and adapt. Um, I think in, in putting my staff together, it was important to kind of get someone who uh, knew the area, if you will, um, from Colorado um, to, to it and people that could balance me out. I, I don't, I'm not one that everybody needs to think like me, do not be a yes man. Um, mm-hmm. I ask for feedback often and it's an adjustment for some people because I really don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. Just be honest. Yeah. As my mom, my mom would always say, you know, me, what you say, say what you mean, say it with yeah. your chest. And that's what I, you know, I say it to, to my staff. I say it to our players. And 
it takes a while because they think, you know, this, can I really say this to you? No, say it. And I learned early in my career, I'm not going to ask you a question that I'm not ready for the answer. Mm. So if I ask you a question, you give me the answer as you see fit. And um, I think, you know, again, with my staff, it's the same. Now, obviously, everybody's trying to learn. and You still want to, you can't get to that point until you have a chance to build a relationship. But I think if you have people around you that are passionate and energetic, um, I'm not one that's overly analytical. That's not how my brain thinks. I'm more on the relationship side. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have um, one of my assistants that's just probably a little bit more analytical um, that comes in handy um, that way. But I think just trying to balance out what I know that I am missing as a coach, um, but really people that are wanting to learn and grow, um, whether here to, to go to someplace bigger or um, to con- continue to grow here in their position. Um, but a lot of that's just been able to start with, um, I'm big on energy. Um, I do not like low energy people. Um, don't don't vibe well at all. So um, <laughs> energy and passion, and I can work with everything else. Well, I better pick up the pace then because I feel like maybe <laughs> we're not going to get this done right. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you in low energy, um, I just can't. Yeah. Especially when it's time yeah. to like you're interacting with people. This yeah. one thing to you where obviously in your own space, but when yeah. it's time to interact, don't, yeah. don't be an energy vampire. No, for sure, for sure. And then just suck yeah. the life out of the room and kill vibe, yes. kill everybody's vibe, yeah. Well, I like what you're talking about balance, coach, because that's one of the most difficult things to do in any setting where other people are involved, not just yourself, is this balance of, I guess, what you don't know or what you don't excel at, how to bring in people who do so that there's not a, uh, you know, imagine a staff being hired off because of their defensive acumen. Like, yeah, what what offense are we going to run? I don't know. But we're not going to let them score. Like, okay, that's not feasible. And then, and I love, yes. what, I love what you talk and, about. And I think having people. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, coach. And I said, I, I think also having people that you know, if they don't, if they don't know, willing to go learn. Yeah. You know, if you, and my, just my staff is is very good at this. If they don't know something, or I don't know something, like, hey, I want to know more about this, and then, you know given one of them a task plan, my coaches will come back, okay, this is what I've researched, this is what I was able to learn about it, and just having that curiosity um, to want to wanna continue to learn and grow, um, I think it's just as important. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's where the feedback you talked about comes in as well. You know? Everybody, it's our, everybody needs feedback because feedback is kind of like you find out where you're at. If you if you're really if you're really rolling with the right people, you know where you're at when you hear what they have to say, honestly have to say. Like you say, you don't want yes people. You want people who are gonna say, No, yeah. you were off today. Or <laughs> you know, like I didn't like your energy. You were the energy vampire in the room and we're all dry. Thanks a lot, you know. And then and I think that comes <laughs> and I think that comes from that last piece that you talked about, being relational. When you're relational, you can you can find I find that when you're relational with people and you really are authentic about it and genuine, not pretentious, they'll give you that feedback because they know yeah. they're, they're doing you a, a service, not a disservice. They know that it's not coming from a place of just being like, here's my opinion, take it or leave it. Like, no, <laughs> it's constructive and we need to get to a place 
that's beneficial for everyone. And so that's great. I, I just, I think more coaches need to open up their minds to feedback, especially from the, if you're the head coach, uh, sometimes you're the one that seems like you're above anybody saying anything to you. However, I like what you said, when you don't have, or they don't have an answer, y'all go looking for it. And so that kind of debunks the myth yeah. that if you're coaching at the college division one college level, you already have to know everything coming in. Like, no, everybody's still learning the game and the yeah. better, better ways to do things. And so I appreciate you kind of talking about that too. Cause that's, uh, I think that brings a little bit of, takes a little bit of tension off, you know, those listening, thinking that, that they can't do it at the next level because they've, they don't know everything. And, and that's so great yeah. to be lifelong learners. Now uh, this year, you know, this year was crazy. The back-to-backs, the the cancellations, the traveling, the testing. I mean, my goodness, it was it was almost a nightmare for some people uh, having a quarantine, all that. How did you and your staff keep players focused and prepared for the season? You know, as much as we could, we, re- we really just tried to be um, present in the moment. Mm. I think, you know, the pandemic really taught us that, um, each day is different, right? And, and things move so fast and so quickly um, that it was hard to really prepare for two, three weeks out. Um, so I remember almost celebrating every time I would get the email from the trainer that everybody passed their COVID test, not only for our team, mm-hmm. but for the other team. Like, okay, breathe, we get to play a game. Um, but I think, you know, my staff and I, I think one thing that we did well is to really just be in the moment. And, and we talked very openly from the start of the season, it's just going to be a matter of um, when, you know, it's it rarely, uh, it's highly unlikely that we're going to get through this unscathed yeah. without some type of um, adversity with it. And when it hit us, we, we ended up having about five positive cases wow. on the team. And, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't shock us as much in a sense of we talked about it. Right. So, and, and because of the language leading up to it, you know, it, Obviously, you still had to get through protocols and things like that, but we ended up playing a game with six people, the six wow. people that we had, um, and as you mentioned, the back-to-back games. But I think we learned a lot about ourselves and just a lot about resilience. Then it's um, the old cliche, you know, control the controllables. Yeah. And with the pandemic, you know, it, it clearly moved at its own pace. It's moving at its own pace. And I think we talked about things that we could control, and that was one thing that we could control were the healthy bodies that we had. It was a game that we knew uh, we can go compete in, and we ended up splitting the weekend and, 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 and lost the second game. Um, you know, Almost as you would expect, it just kind of ran out of legs. Um, but it was really a huge kind of learning point and turning point, I felt like, for us as a staff because we had some players that were uncertain. Um, but because of how we were able to just talk about it and, and lead our players in the pandemic of just being very as I tell them all the time, honest and transparent about it. And, you know, it wasn't one of those things that obviously you don't want to test positive or things like that, but when it does, like, this is how we're going to treat it. So when we got in that situation, I don't think there was a lot of panic. It was honestly a lot of players, the ones who were healthy and could go wanting to kind of step up and, and go to battle for those who couldn't. So um, I I think the staff, uh, again, trying to stay present in the moment, um, we got extremely creative on Zooms. Um, you know, everybody's different with how they're 
universities and states handled um, protocols. Uh, so most of our, all of our team meetings actually were on Zoom, but we ended up having like karaoke nights, mm-hmm. comedy nights, nice. um, you know, just kind of making team activities uh, via Zoom. Um, so I, I'm proud of the way that we handled that because everybody dealt with it. You know, like when you, when you're reading now and people are like, Oh, it was just a very challenging year. It was challenging for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I think the way that we led from the top down, uh, we learned a lot about it and, um, it's an experience that I'm thankful for cause I, I think it made me a better coach and I think it made us a better team. Yeah. How fortunate to kind of, to come out unscathed, meaning no loss of life in that you can exactly. learn, yeah, you can learn to be in the moment. Like that's one of the hardest things for every human being to understand. And if you have a regular season where you have time in between games, basically, and you know, you're going to have games. Imagine being able to walk into every game next year, already learning how to be in the moment and how to not take things for granted. Cause you know, ne- you never know when you, it'll be taken from you. And so I think that's kind of an attitude of gratitude kicks in and then you prepare accordingly. You prepare with that mindset. Like we're very intentional about what we're going to do coming out tomorrow night. We're not, we're not taking this for granted. We're not going to act like it's just another game. Like, no, we're going to be there, not just physically, but mentally. And we're going to, we're going to give, cause that's the only game that matters. And so, you know, kind of, where we were always told, right, play every game like it's your last. That's literally kind of a truth now. And so you you really have to, uh, I don't know, I love it, being in the moment, being where your feet are at. Good stuff. And, and here again, learning it now and applying it in the future time and time again, it's going to be the, the fun, the fun of it all. And I think a lot of people will. Yeah. I think a lot of people will really learn that this year. So it's great. Now, I want to ask you about some leadership principles that you had to apply because, you know, young people, especially college age people, like you talked about earlier, sometimes they think they're grown ups and, you know, they think this is adulthood already. And, and we know better, but because we've lived it long enough to see it kind of unfold and transpire, but they're looking for leadership. They're looking for somebody to, to be mom and dad away from home what kind of leadership principles did you have to really rely on and lean on during this period? This is going to be super basic, uh, but communication. Yeah. Yeah. I think the communication piece, um, you know, I, how I run my program, we don't have a lot of, we have four roles. We have 14 roles. Um, Be on time, be responsible, be a good teammate and be selfless. And, none of those things are really possible without communication. Um, so I'm super transparent, um, super honest. And as I tell the team, I don't want a lot of guessing. I don't want a lot of white noise, right? Mm. TV is just a bunch of white noise. Yeah. Um, I want you to know, because I don't want you to have to go fill in the blanks with someone else. So the communication piece was super big, um, just in terms of, um, them getting to know me, it, it was definitely uh, an adjustment in the beginning because I was like, did she just say that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I said that and that's what <laughs> I mean. So, um, you know, but I, I, it, it's nice now that we're in postseason workouts because we've all had some time together now that, you know, the, the energy and the intensity is just so different that they've had, um, that they learned. And then I'm 
again, I, I talk about energy that um, I bring energy literally almost everywhere I go, but especially on the court. Um, so it's been nice to just kind of see them either reciprocate that. And I know people say, I lead by example, um, but I am also one that is probably more um, like to be vocal and then I like action. So trying to be, you know, trying to be in a position to do both. Um, but the communication piece um, is huge. And then when we can build on that, we can get to the accountability part. Um, I think the accountability takes time because, you know, how I talk to you may not be how I talk to the next person. Yeah. Um, things like that. But I think that we, we were able to kind of cut to the chase a lot of times and, and solve a lot of problems by just talking wow. um, and just and just communicating. I wouldn't say, you know, do we have our hiccups, but um, to really try to be transparent and be present as a leader. Um, you know, I, I tell the team all the time that we're, my staff, we're there early, we're going to stay late um, to, to, get, to get extra shots up, to get extra work in, um, but for them to kind of see us there present, um, being present with who they are. So but none of this can get accomplished without communication. I don't want to over overstate that or, or, or talk too much. Like that's the only thing. Um, but I, I, I do think you can get a lot accomplished the more you can be, the more you can communicate. You think about how, how many times things go wrong. If you misheard someone or someone misspoke, and you can't get the plan, you know, B and C because you heard it incorrectly mm-hmm. or they communicated it incorrectly. So we spend a lot of time talking about communicating. No, it's uh, it's essential. It's essential if you want success because uh, how do I know where we're headed if we haven't talked about it? And how do I know that I haven't, you know, read you wrong if I don't know how to talk to you about what I thought I heard? How? Because perceptions reality for the most part uh, i don't know if i believe that wholeheartedly but <laughs> most people's perception of what you said might be you know taken in a different connotation especially nowadays where everybody believes they're a lawyer it's like well what is is yes. what does is mean like okay i don't know <laughs> like some people have but that I, over, that over analytical mind like you talked about yeah. earlier yes but I, I do think that is you know part of the communication with our team, I, I did a workshop, uh, 2015, um, Marine leadership workshop. And in one of the sessions, we talked about, you know, w- what is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? And then, and then this is how we're going to accomplish it. And that's one thing that I've tried to implement in my coaching is, you know, this is a drill. This is why we're doing a drill. Yeah. Uh, this is how we're going to do the drill. But I do think this generation is different where, you know, back when I played coach, would just say, okay, do this. And, there, there weren't a lot of questions. Um, so I try to negate that by saying, this is what we're going to do. This is why. Okay. And this is what we're trying to accomplish. And if yeah. we don't, um, you know, this is the outcome, you know, whether it's, you know, do it again or, um, run whatever it may be. But I, I do think it's important to say, uh, what we're doing and why. Yeah. The rhyme and the reason. Um, yeah. If there's no, huh, if there's nothing to be achieved by what we're doing, why are we doing it? And yeah. if you're just, if you're just telling me to do something because this is what you did, where you came from, then I don't see how it applies to me. It's just, it's cookie cutter type stuff. I want some, like you don't recruit kids to come to your program to just give them what you had before. Like you want them to know that is, 
that to a degree it's customized for you. <laughs> you want them to feel that personal touch and, you know, otherwise why spend the time in their living room with their parents, uh, you know, selling them something that you're not really going to come through on. And so, yeah, like I get the whole, I've been telling people for years, if you do not explain to these young people what you're doing or why you're doing what you're doing or why they're doing what they're doing mainly, um, yeah, you're going to lose them. And they're going to just think, well, you're the old ball coach who just says, do it. Because I said, don't, you know, there's no kind of plan with it. Because everybody, I know anybody can go on YouTube and come up with a practice plan. It's easy. It's not that hard to to just say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do skill work. We're going to do this. But do you know your team well enough to know what they need for that week? Whatever the scout, the game plan is, do you have that ready? And when they know you're intentional, I learned that coaching four and five year olds back, back, you know, back in 95, I learned that if you don't have anything prepared for them, you're going to lose them. (laughs) And so that's stuck with me ever since. So I I think that's fantastic coach. I I really like that whole mindset of, you know, explaining to them why you're doing what you're doing. It really, it really, uh, again, the communication piece, uh, you, you really can't overstate it. It really can't, you know, greater, greater, greater teams, greater organizations have fallen and failed because of that lack of communication. So that's just a fantastic component. Now, mental health, right? I don't think we talk about it enough. And I think this whole pandemic has really brought it to the forefront for athletics in particular. And even at that, I still don't think it's talked about enough. I think we hear more about NIL, which is really not applicable to a lot of you know, players in, in schools to the degree that everybody's going to get rich quick. We need to still be talking about mental health, I think. And I'm a huge proponent of it, and so that's why I bring it up on this show. How important is your mental health coach, your staffs, and also your team? Like, how how important was that for you all this year? Yeah, mental health for me is, is just huge. I'll start first just on a personal level on um, it. I am a huge believer in therapy, um, yeah. mental health, making the, the transition from New Orleans to Denver and my therapist then I was, you know, thankfully uh, for me anyway, you know, in the pandemic, there's obviously a lot of different state laws and a lot of those were lifted. Mm-hmm. And so we could just still do telemedicine, um, you yeah. know, via Zoom, if you will. Um, though, Obviously, we're in two different states, and because of the pandemic, some of those kind of red tape was lifted. Um, so personally, it's something that I, um, you know, I started years ago, and, you know, I'd always kind of try to graduate out of, but it, it is just nice having somebody that is educated and has different ways to kind of teach you about yourself and to help you navigate things that, that you um, maybe haven't struggled to articulate. So. Uh, personally, I'm a huge proponent um, and getting the position here at DU, um, you know, that is literally the first question I have from the team. What are your thoughts on mental health? And I think the team learned this year that, you know, everybody has their different areas that they struggle with, uh, whether it's on the court, off the court. Um, and it's one of those that I don't mess with it. If you're not um, mentally focused or ready to be here, I want you to be present where you are. Um, so there was times this year that maybe a player didn't come to practice or had to leave practice early or come late um, just depending on where she was. And it's not uh, anything that I 
argue with the trainer about, um, you know, the basketball is going to be here. Um, but if they're not here mentally, um, they're not going to be able to do much physically. So it's one that we talk about and I really don't get in the way of, um, you know, once I get kind of either the word that, Hey, this player needs a break or, or I have to adjust some things here. Um, I, I, I think the trainer early on, uh, she, she didn't realize how serious I was about it. And she doesn't need to come to practice. She doesn't need to come to practice. Um, you know, and I, I think that is just knowing how important mental health is for me personally. And then obviously being able to navigate life at this age in a pandemic. Um, it's something that we talk about. Um, we're fortunate that we have resources here at, at DU that our players can, can see and set up those appointments. Um, but it's something really big. And then I, I listened to a Zoom during this time, and another head coach um, talked about sending, you know, the heart mental health check-ins um, with our team. So I started that uh, probably midway through the season uh, with our with our own team. And you know, it's a red heart. If you're great, you're good. If you're struggling, you need help. And so every Sunday, they know I'm sending out the same graphic. Um, I'll tell them how I'm feeling. They'll kind of shoot me a text back how they're feeling. And in some cases, you know, we're able to kind of get help a little sooner or it's kind of giving me a heads up about where her headspace is for practice. So uh, mental health is something that I'm a huge advocate of. And um, as we, you know, I, I agree with you that it's not talked about enough because it still has a stigma to it. Yeah. Um, but it's one that um, our team knows that if we need a mental health break, they can take a mental health break. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you from the onset with, how therapy works. There's different modalities of it. And and I think that's what people need to explore because the stigma is just really, <laughs> um, it's my show. I'm going to say it's weak to have a stigma about therapy like that. Like you have to be somebody who's really just like has so much pride and ego to think that it can't work. Like it does work because <sighs> I, don't, I can't say it unequivocally, why it works, but I've seen it. I've applied it. I'm, I'm a counselor. So I've worked with people enough to know that if you just take your time, you know, where to go, where not to go, you know, when to go somewhere with the conversation, you let them talk more than you're talking. You can really help people. And, and in a time like this, where people are learning to be vulnerable, it's such a great human experience to go through therapy, through counseling, because it's like you get to open up who you really are and explore who you really are more than anything, more than just dumping on somebody you feel you don't, you don't know. You get to talk so much that you get to find out who you really are. And identity for me in, in regards to a young person is everything. When you know who you are, jeez. That's that's majority of the battle in life. Nobody can tell you who you're not or what they think you are. So, yeah, right. I, I love it. I love it. I love every bit of bring. I'm here for all the mental health, you know, substance and and everything that it brings. I just I love it so much. Now, coach, I want to ask you about your support system, because, you know, you're speaking of how you had a support system set up for you for your team the different things that the institution there at Denver, they do for y'all uh, and, and provide, I should say, how important is your support system? Because I know as a head coach, you know, there's a lot of pressures. There's a lot of things to keep 
the pulse of. Uh, how important is that for you? Uh, it's huge. I think, you know, the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn about what you need. And um, the older I get, I've also, uh, my circle's gotten smaller, um, a little bit more intimate. And so they were phenomenal this year. Just, um, you know, the, the best way I can explain it is you go to different stores for different things, right? You're not going to yeah. go to Foot Locker looking for a steak because that's <laughs> not what it's for, right? Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I have my support system set up. You know, I know which ones I need to call for uh, which situation. And, you know, it, it was a great group for me this year to help kind of be in this transition. And it was really important to have um, just non-basketball people, people who aren't in the profession um, to just kind of also be there and to kind of listen um, from afar, if you will. So uh, the support system is huge. And I, and I, I didn't really anticipate how important they would be to me um, and, and all of them in their different roles. Um, that, that was really um, the, the nice part is I don't think anyone not didn't answer the phone when I called, didn't answer a text. Um, you know, we didn't win a lot this year in terms of our record. Uh, we, as I tell the team, we had a lot of wins that didn't show up um, in, in the win column. But I, I, I think for my support system, they definitely – were really the real MVPs. Um, they they kind of kept me going and, and and helped me keep things in perspective. And that's what I needed at this point, um, taking over a program like this. So uh, the support system is huge. I definitely wouldn't have been able to get through the season without them um, and, and everybody kind of being their own little luxury store for me. I'm not even going to say like, you know, it wasn't the dollar store because some of them got probably more <laughs> heard more than what they wanted to hear so they all are the luxuries in their own way and i'm super appreciative of them that's great yeah because you know tough times it is that saying tough times make tough people but i think when you just like you talked about you know when it came when it comes to your staff like what you don't do good you hire out you know you find somebody who can kind of make up for where you lack in your knowledge of the game. And when you talked about building your circle and how it's gotten smaller, you build it based on the fact that there's people that, you know, have roles in your life and, and your players can understand that as well. Cause you have roles for them. And in life we all, if we can figure out how, the, how important people are in our lives, our friends, our family, they have a role and we can appreciate them for where they sit in that role or stand in that role, serve in that role. And so, yeah, that's why I think support systems are so, for coaches especially, head coaches especially, like, you need that. You really do. If you don't have that and you're listening right now, you're thinking, maybe that's what I'm missing. I'm great at everything, but I need a support system. There you go. Yes. Like, I think that's the. Yeah, it the, is important. Yeah, the eureka moment. Like, oh, I got it. Yeah. So great, Coach. I, thank you for sharing that because I, I just, I always, I ask those questions because I, people need people at the end of the day and, and it's just important. Now, I want to ask you about yourself because we're always teaching, right? Like you talked about earlier, being a teacher of the game, being a teacher in life, all those things. And the, the things that were invested into you, I know you're doing the same for your players and your staff and everybody involved. You, your learning experience, being a lifelong learner, I'm sure, 
what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? Um, patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think I've learned how important patience is yeah. to not be so quick uh, to say everything that's on your mind. It's okay <laughs> to stop and think. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and as I tell our players sometimes, is learning what you want to give your energy to. You know, I did that when I was younger. I gave my energy, a lot of energy to the wrong things, something that's so unimportant. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to kind of process now, okay, do I want to give that energy? How important is it to me? And if I can't really answer that, um, so I think to be able to be patient. Um, I think the other thing that I've learned about myself is listening. And as much as I talk about communicating, um, to, to be a, a listener and to be able to listen um, which is how I got into the feedback because you get better that way. But I think to be able to listen, especially with this generation, um, they have access to so much more information than we ever did. Yeah. And so sometimes they, their idea might actually be better and it's mm. okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I, when I changed that mindset, uh, probably about 2000, we went to a tournament in 2015 at, at Tulane. Um, when I started to kind of just say, okay, wait, do you guys have a better way to do the drill and being okay with that? And then them, you know, it really helped our relationship. So I think uh, I've learned that um, patience is okay and listening is okay. And it, it's okay to think before you speak, you don't have to just go running off at the mouth, um, everything that's on your mind. Yeah. Um, but patience and listening are probably the two things that I have, really try to get better at and to make sure it shows up in some way every day. And I think all coaches can learn from what you said about what you give your energy to, you know, I had a conversation with some students, some students today about that. Like I know what you value by your actions, not by what you tell me. If you show me that you value, you know, A, B and C, I'm going to see it in what you're doing with your life. Like your actions are going to speak at all. What you're giving your energy to, which I wish I would have talked to you before. I could have told him that. Don't give your energy to that. That's much. It's a yeah. That's a much, it's just, yeah. Go ahead. No, I see. I'm sure you see it all the time. It's you know, and, I, and obviously I had to learn this the hard way. But I'm get. So I'll give you a prime example. When I made the transition to uh, Tulane, and I'll I'll never forget the first practice, and the players didn't have their shirts tucked in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting here running around, you know, tapping it, tuck your shirt in, tuck, tuck your shirt in. And I'm just kind of going crazy about it. And so I asked coach, I was like, they don't have to tuck their shirts in. Said, That's mm-hmm. the ref's job. That's the ref's job. We're not going to spend our energy in practice saying tuck your shirt in. The rest will tell them in the game. Yeah. And it's something so simple. And so when I made the transition here to DU, um, you know, that obviously was the thing before. And so I told her, you don't have to tuck, I don't want to give up my energy. Because that's the ref's job. So I, I, I took coaches line. And our strength conditioning coach was like, hey, you got to tuck your shirt. And they're like, no, we don't. But would, so we don't have to. But it's just, I, I, I want to give my energy because it's, it's wasted energy. That's somebody else's role. That's the ref's job during a game to tell you that. So, but when you apply it to other things, um, you know, how much do you waste your, waste your energy on things that when you really think about it, it's really not that important. Yeah, no, like, like you talked about thinking before you speak, think about things before you start investing your time in them. Like think about it, size it up. What, are, what, are, what is it going to cost me 
or what what time am I going to lose spending time worried about people's shirts being tucked in? Like, you know, at the end of the day, we have to pick our battles, too, and <laughs> in, in understanding what not to jump into and wasting our time and our energy and our resources because there's uh, there's convictions that we think we have that we could keep forever when in reality, if we're evolving as human beings in a, in a, in a mental uh, format, then we know eh, that 10 years ago that would have bothered me. Now, you know, it is what it is. I realize that if I'm going to constantly be getting on this one kid or this one player about something, they're going to tune me out eventually. So I need to just back off real quick and then kind of sprinkle in my, you know, what I think they need to do. Right. You know, because yeah, there's a time and a place for, Hey, just do it. It really is. When, when you, when you, when you're down by whatever, you don't have no timeouts to call timeout to talk eloquently and nicely to everybody in particular, you say, no, just do it, you know? But when there's time to, to settle down, think about what you're going to say. You know, you take your time and be thoughtful. And I think that's part of that. So that's great. I really patience and listening. Like that's what the world needs more of quite honestly. That's <laughs> <laughs> the whole world. So that's great. You're on track. You're on track with, with fixing all the world's problems too as well, coach. So <laughs> you, you, you can get that done for us. I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate you saying that because it makes a lot of sense. Now, my last question is always about legacy. And, and sometimes we say, well, ah, it's a big word that I don't think much about. And obviously I'm not, you're still young. You got a long ways to go. I'm not like saying, well, that's it, coach, you're done. And thanks for everything you did. You're 21 years of service now. Goodbye. I think it's, I think it's more of like a working legacy to say, I know what I want to accomplish in this game. And you talked about how you're relational and, and how you, you were invested into, and I know you're doing the same. So, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? Yeah, I think when my career is all said and done, um, whatever the record is, it's going to be. Um, but I think what would be more important to me are those relationships um, after the ball stops bouncing. I say this to our team all the time, whether I coach you for a year, coach you for four years, um, and honestly, in some cases, I recruit you and you decide to go somewhere else. Um, you know, the, the relationship piece is, you know, your life outside of that. Um, but I think ultimately, I would hope that the players and the, the programs that I've been associated with, um, that they know that I've had as much impact on them as, I, that they, as they have had on me. I think too many times we think, you know, just from I, I'm the coach, you know, I'm, I'm kind of leading them, but I, I think at the end of the day, I would want my crew, my legacy, uh, really just to be that I was impactful and intentional and I made a difference in their life. Um, if that happened to be on the basketball court, great. Um, I, I tell our, our team all the time, I want everybody, our team and staff, to, to feel valued, respected, and appreciated. And if I can answer those questions, um, when the ball stops bouncing, uh, I know that I've done my job well. Coach Woods, I thank you so much for your time. I really do. Thank you for being yourself as well and, and not holding back. I thank you so much because, you know, I'm always looking to get perspectives, right? Different ones, not just my own or that of a few. You know, we've done over 100-something interviews, and I never walk away from this thing thinking, well, that sounded just like that other coach. Like, 
everybody's different and that's what i love like about this whole deal and so here again thank you for making the time and taking the time to be on with us all right thank you for having me i really appreciate it no thank you